0: Hey there, Quirlmort, this is Eniash. I always forget what name I choose while we're warming, <laughs> while we're warming up the call. Well, the, the name comes from... Someone on Discord said that, expect Carissa... Like, I keep saying that she's evil or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but she's not going to be one-dimensional. But I was confused by, like, because she was being nice. She's evil in exactly the same way that Voldemort was evil. Which isn't to say that, you know, she can't do nice things for somebody, right? He got Harry that yeah. book, after all. The Diary of Francis Bacon. Very thoughtful mm. present. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's still evil as all hell and i think that's the kind of uh kind of person we're going to see in carissa interesting i have my thoughts on carissa as well i don't know i i guess we'll get there uh when we get there yeah but first we got to start at the beginning which is uh describing what this podcast is this is it makes sense if you understand decision theory where you and i just sit down to discuss kelsey piper and Elias kowski's glow fic, um project lawful Yes,
1: we have a Patreon where we get some money from you guys if you like us. We kick back 15% to Eliezer and Kelsey because we think this is how IP law should work. And we are the change we want to be in the
0: future. It makes sense if you understand decision theory. Mm -hmm.
1: Thanks for supporting us if
0: you do. Yes, speaking of Patreons, uh, Ask Who put out, uh, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but had a couple of the first couple hours of the book on uh, AI generated audio. And it was Mm -hmm. awesome, but it turns out that it gets expensive pretty fast. If anyone wants that project to continue, uh, check out the link in this episode's description for uh, Ask Who's funding request for that project. It's uh, patreon.com askwhocasts.ai. Excellent. I really love the user community that we have here. A bunch of people tell
1: us where to read up to. Keiko has that giant project that he supports. Ask Who is, in addition to helping coordinate a lot of these people, also doing the audio AI project. Like
0: This is, this is the sort of buy-in that makes something really fun. It really is. I'm actually surprised at the level of enthusiasm we have from what do you call it buy-in uh, mm-hmm. from from listeners. I I figured this would be too niche to get anyone's interest, but I'm glad people are enjoying it. So, makes me happy. I think things that are ultra niche have a higher rabidity
1: quotient in their fan base. I guess I don't know if that's the correct term, but the fans are more hardcore, so they get more involved. And definitely a part of that is the fact that it is more niche; it tickles a more particular thing in people, and uh, there's just less other people
0: coming in and crowding in stuff. So the people who are really into it can shine more. Yeah, and you know, the more particular thing that's getting booped, the more uh, the less dilute the boop is, right? So. Yeah. I remember Calton called it getting booped, and now it's, now it's ruined for me forever. <laughs> well, shall we boop some feedback? Let's do it. Is that the correct way to use that term? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> okay, a couple notes on Pathfinder canon. Uh, in Pathfinder canon, selling your soul doesn't actually take a soul from you. It guarantees that when you die, your soul goes to hell or whoever you sold it to, regardless of your alignment.
0: Yeah. We found that out in this week's reading, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, you know, I suppose the reason that's not just done, um, uh, there must be some contract, right, that, that has to be made. You can't just like, you know how you can, how there was that whole thing of people baptizing babies that, yeah, uh, you know, there was like a, whatever, Catholic uh, um, home home assistants, whether it's nurses or whatever, would just mm-hmm. baptize babies and the parents were out of the room, even though, even though the babies weren't Catholic, or the babies weren't of Catholic parents. Yeah. Uh, I guess you can't do that because I guess they have to get something in return but you think you could just get them like and we give you a nickel and uh you know put your little baby stamp here. Um Well, the the god who judges souls and assigns them to their afterlife
1: is Ferazma and she is like one of the major gods so I assume they have some kind of behind the scenes god contract behind all of them and she must have negotiated one of those things like I'm only gonna I'm only gonna honor these contracts you sign with mortals if these and these conditions are fulfilled.
0: Yeah, that that, that checks out. It, it kind of, you know, I guess there has to be some limit to, to, uh, was the, what was the charisma? Mm-hmm. Uh, to her power, just because you think, you know, a contract that is like almost literally and quite as close as you can get to putting a gun to someone's head without actually doing it. Um, you know, it's like sign here or we're going to skin you alive and then heal you and then skin you alive until signing sounds like a better idea. It sounds like she still enforces those contracts, but, you know, it's better than, uh, gotcha. letting, it, it seems like if they don't sign, they get tortured. So they'll, oh, I guess they're all eager to sign because they're all brainwashed. Yeah, they're they're eager to sign and they do get something out of it.
1: They all assume they're going to hell anyway. And it sounds like they're actually pretty much correct about that. That's
0: true. I guess, you know, getting a brainwashed person to sign, signing a consent form, I think is really a convoluted subject. However, I feel like this god's doing about as good as one could be expected to do, given that she probably has a lot of other business to manage too. So, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, Also from Pathfinder
1: Canon, since Nethys is making more and more of an appearance in the story. Uh, Some people posted a few notes about that. Nethys is god of magic and knowledge and linked to explosions and insanity. Uh, They gained enough power, or he gained enough power to witness all that transpired on all planes. And this both fueled his divinity and drove him irreparably mad.
0: Nice. (laughs) Kind of like uh, Dumbledore in Beth's Rationality. He didn't really go insane, but he gave the appearance of... That's true, and he did see all of prophecy, which is probably when that happened. Right, exactly. Because then, he, then he's doing inscrutable things for reasons no one could figure out, and then things kind of work out for him, right? Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, that's because that's he, he saw all the future as much as he could. Yeah, probably. yeah. Nethys is a god of magic torn between destroying the
1: world with one hand and saving it with the other. Hey, like us with uh, technology. Exactly. Phorasma is true neutral because she is utterly impartial in judging souls, but Nethus is true neutral because he only cares about doing new and risky things with magic and doesn't care why his followers do those things.
0: He's just, uh, if you stripped out like the parts of Adam Savage that made him a human and just left like the, the rest, the y part, mm. mm-hmm. this would be the god you get. I love it. What That's happens perfect. if we mix these together? What if it gets really big? Like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very cool. Uh, okay, so going into more user comments, Anna just realized that the reason Kelpin wants 144 children is that line uses base 12, so that would be equivalent to Earth people saying they want 100 children. I thought that was amazing. I was wondering about that myself because due to due to the um, Jehovah's Witness nature of my upbringing, I knew that 144 was uh, 12, 12 or 12 times 12, and, and it's just a very big mythical number in in the Judaic religions the Judaic descended religions, probably all religions, honestly, due to the months of the year thing. Uh, so uh, so I was like, huh, I wonder if we're going to find out what it is about uh, the number 12 that their society finds so powerful and interesting if they came from some kind of Judaic upbringing too and just have forgotten about it. But no, the fact that it uses base 12, I think, is a uh, completely sensible answer and, and makes sense of a number of things that
0: we've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, is that... Um dothalani canon or is that a speculation i don't know because i've um, just been assuming that 144 was some optimally math mathy number for like genetic fitness yada yada if you knew the math of of evolutionary propagation there's
1: no way that the coincidence of 12 times 12 is the same as the mathy optimal number for offspring
0: that's fair point i mean it may be you know some some rough optimal off, uh, point of like um I don't know. Whatever a reasonable person could be expect, you know, it's it's almost your Dunbar limit. uh, uh that's a good point. But you know, it. I, I like the base twelve example. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, I guess how many women, how many babies could a, like a person be reasonably expected to have? Like three sounds like plenty, but I suppose people could have as many as <laughs> as six or ten. Right, that is
1: that is an insanely modern day thing to say. Uh, three would be low by historic standards, right? But I, but
0: but from a sophisticated society like Dothalon,
1: I don't right. think they'd be you
0: know having people you know pump out a baby a year for fifteen years. Well, no, probably not. I, I guess three to four would be reasonable. That's sort of what I was thinking. But then I was, then I try to think of how many spouses that would be for him. But and then you know maybe that'd give him. I would. Uh, that would be one spouse. Right. Well, if you want one hundred and forty-four kids
1: oh okay i see yeah yeah so
0: then he'd be looking at like what 50 uh, ish a little under 50 yeah which yeah. might give him a different wife every week if he got bored <laughs> it almost that's rounds one to way that of looking too. at it but you know that's a, mean, a, that takes a, that's a lot more explanation than base 12 so i like that answer
1: uh, yes and also i think kelton was thinking mainly about fertility treatment drugs like i'm not sure even if people in dothalon have natural pregnancy in, in, in as much as they choose to have kids and then
0: Pick among the the best sperm and eggs that they have and implant that. Honestly, I could totally imagine a future where I unethical might be do- further down the road, but certainly where it's like deemed irresponsible just to ha- like have natural pregnancies. I know at least one.
1: Um, I I don't want to say movement, maybe movement, maybe just couple uh that believes exactly that and is trying to normalize that that uh having natural pregnancy is only th- a thing you do if you really have no other option because you are that poor. And the
0: morally correct thing to do is to use IVF and get, you know, better babies. That said, I wouldn't say something that you only do if you're that poor. And I would say something that you only do if you're not that rich, because I think IVF is very expensive. If you were to
1: have a kid, would you not plan to at least save up some money for their eventual education after they get out of high school? Well, I wouldn't.
0: But the average person would,
1: <laughs> right the average person would, and that education is likely to be far more expensive than IVF is.
0: yeah, i I, th- I think for some reason, I've got the rough order of like thirty something thousand dollars in my head for IVF um, oh. which is, which is no small change, but I, that's also just some number that's coming to my brain. So I'm not sure if that's based on anything. but uh, IVF cost in Colorado is twenty thousand dollars roughly. Hmm. I was in the rough ballpark. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, you're right, but also that'd make a pretty cool. Uh, used to make a cool down payment on a house. Now it'd be, you know, a third of a down payment on a house instead of, yeah. uh, you know, then again, what higher investment could you have than picking, you know, like a healthy baby?
1: Exactly. This it's this would be projected to have much greater returns than going to college and at a fraction of
0: the cost. Yeah, and much much greater, like just investment than again a third of a down payment on a house. So.
1: Yeah. The only real problem with it is that you would have to pay it while you're relatively young and you don't have a lot of money versus college happens 20 years later when you're older and have relatively (laughs) a lot more money. When you're older and you don't have a lot
0: of money. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: people tend to make more money as they get
0: older. No, totally. The one true butcher says, uh, I continue to be baffled by you guys believing the people of Cheliax. So free will is the ability to act in your own interests. Evil is the I like to hurt things. And then Captain Courtney says that uh, Keltham was explicitly lied to about good, evil, and neutral.
1: I've gotten this comment a lot in the discord, both after the latest episode and after the one previous to that. Like, I'm not confused about this, I don't think. I mean... It's probably definitely me. No, no, I don't think it's you either. Like, I think free will is always kind of dicey and fun to talk about, but like, the thing that really interests me is how Keltham thinks of good and evil, and how he maps his beliefs about that onto what he's being told by Cheliax. And <laughs> a lot of people were saying, like, don't believe the things that the church of literal hell is telling you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, obviously. But the interesting part to me is keltham trying to translate what he thinks of these
0: things into what they're saying and how that jives for me the thing with me is that they have such persuasive or rather like su- such coherent lies ready mm-hmm. a- as if they were expecting an outsider just to pop in at any time and they had this whole story for him with and i kind of get the feeling that their evilness is an open book to the rest of the world So like, they're they're coming at him with like this whole, you know, I mean, we do see uh, Carissa in particular doing a lot of like fast footwork, you know, to, you know, color this that way and, and, you know, brush this under the mat that way. If we believe that in
1: the normal nature of most humans, there is both good and evil, for a society to be completely dedicated to evil, they have to, in some way, dismiss the good uh, aspects of a person and divert those and explain them away, you know, like, if there's good and bad in everybody, then an evil society is going to have to find some way to deal with the good impulses in people, and uh, this is how they've done that. Much like in a good society, we've got to find some way to deal with the evil
0: impulses that people have. That's a good point. All right, so thanks yeah. for letting me ju- jump in. What did uh, Nave Motif have?
1: Uh, Nave Motif says that uh, Keltham was sanctioned back home for being neutral, so is conditioned with the knowledge that good see- sees him as wrong. Carissa guides him to conclude he is evil. They are lying to him about the difference between neutral and evil. Uh, I really like this because, again, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, which is very much the same kind of culture, uh, where there is a select group of very small people who are actually good, and literally everything else uh, outside the religion is evil, and that there is no neutrality. There is, You are either with us, a Jehovah's Witness, or you are against us, and you are part of Satan's order in the world. and uh, And so I have a very strong inbuilt instinct that... If you aren't going along with good, there is something evil about you. And therefore, I didn't even question this. It just seemed like, oh yeah, obviously, Keltham isn't sacrificing himself for the advancement of his society. That translates as evil, because it's obviously not the good maximizing thing, and I'm on board with that. Um So I think there was a major blind part in me about that. I'm still not entirely sure where that distinction is, where that line lies. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so interested in Keltham struggling through these things and trying to map his concept of what is pro-social, what is better for the flourishing of the group versus the human individual and how that translates to good and evil. And I really like his thoughts about this much more than just the simple D&D. Good is people being nice to each other mm-hmm. and evil is people liking to hurt each other because, you know, that's dead simple we learned all that shit when we were four years old
0: yeah and i'm wondering too i guess you know he has an int score that is interpretable by whatever mechanics they have to read those things right Mm -hmm. i I wonder if he has an alignment that someone can read because like he's not going to be you know pure good pure neutral or whatever right he's clearly on this a, a mix of these things
1: I think for everyone who's looked at him so far with the knowledge of the alignments in Galarian is saying that he is so lawful neutral that his ideals are literally described as the beings that live in the lawful neutral heaven.
0: Okay, yeah, that that makes it Because neutral is sort of the middle. And I guess it encompasses not just the dead center, but some band therein. Okay, all right. The One Butcher also
1: says, there have been so many depictions of Satan and the devil as fun trickster rebels and tortured, I do what I must, minions of God, Hmm. that the words Asmodeus, devil, and Satan have lost their meaning. I actually very much agree with this, and this comes up in the reading a little bit later too. I like those depictions of hell and Satan, honestly, because evil for evil, Voldemort's sake is kind of dumb. And so, yeah, I, I do think of these creatures more as like the Al Pacino and the Devil's Advocate kind of creature, that they have certainly lost the meaning where you hear Satan and you no longer think, oh my God, this is the guy that delights in raping people to death and torturing things. But that's why we now have the word Voldemort. We needed a word for (laughs) something that meant those things. And fortunately, pop culture has provided, or our culture has provided, not just pop culture. This is the the culture of all of us collectively, right?
0: I think so. I mean, I, I think that, you know, Satan... I don't know who who thinks Satan is you know closer to like a Loki guy than you know a Voldemort guy, but I'm sure that's that's out there. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely is a bunch of dilution. In fact, there's a very popular, or I guess a very long running TV show. The show I think was an answer on Jeopardy last week or so. Lucifer.
1: Yeah, it's not that long running. I think it's only been around for like three years, right?
0: I think longer, but I know that at least at some point he's going to a therapist. That was like the question. Oh, okay. So like, if Lucifer's going to a therapist, then okay, he's not the guy <laughs> that we all thought of from the Bible, right? So yeah. And the graphic novel has been around for decades. Right, right. All right. So it stands elite. Uh, dads troll people all the time. So the evidence of sadism is not definitive. But this seems to fundamentally miss the point of Bayesian evidence. Does trolling the way that Keltham is trolling make Chris more or less sure of a bet she's already made such that she would double down? I can't remember specifically when he was trolling her, but. Uh, he was trolling all the
1: students. He was giving them a lecture. It was like, oh, that was the old Keltham that believed that. New Keltham believes that having this golem just input one, two, three, four, five over and over again is the (laughs) most optimal thing in the world. And I'm going to continue believing that until you can convince me otherwise.
0: I agree with, uh, sorry if I'm butchering this, uh, lead. The whole point of doing that was to make them, you know, it's kind of like I'm reminded of, uh, I feel like it was Pendulet or somebody, or maybe somebody referencing him, giving an example of like. Which which cup is the ball under? You know they do that little ball moving trick under a cup. Mm-hmm. And you're like the left one, and it's like okay, I'll bet you a hundred dollars it's not the left one. Do you still think it is? Mm-hmm. And if it's Pendulette moving the cups, you're like okay, never mind. I'm no longer sure, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, then you know, just for fun, why not lifts it up and it's, it is the left cup. It's making sure that you need to be actually really sure for good reasons. Yeah, so, and so sure that you know, yeah, I'll take a bet. I'm so curious if they took the bet, whether he would have
1: lifted it up and there would have been no ball. Like, it's probably a thing that he can do, change on the fly.
0: I made up the example, like, I think it was, for whatever reason Pendulet was involved in the initial example, but I, I made up the the rest of the example on my own just now, but okay, uh, yeah. hypothetically, yeah, why not? It's the kind of thing that somebody should do. But do you think uh, if Lee is correct on this? But the broader point of dad joking? Well, um, I don't know if dad jokes are of the same kind of flavor of what Kelton was doing. Dad jokes, I don't know, didn't we agree that dads do troll their kids
1: like that all the time though?
0: I suppose uh, I'm trying to remember like what the you know specifics so
1: not in the case of like dad jokes in general, but like specifically that sort of prank that frustrates your kid and makes them makes them adorably unhappy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> would you think that kind of trolling is Bayesian evidence of sadism?
0: No, okay. Yeah. how come i I guess I have a different connotation for sadism. You know, it—it's yeah. it, relishing in someone's actual pain. Um, yeah, and if it's just them being tricked or you know groaning because you you use clever or you know annoying wordplay, depending on your flavor, um, mm-hmm. that that seems different than sadistic. Yeah, but I can see how they are both. If you zoom out, the kind of like taking pleasure in someone else's displeasure. But mm-hmm. I, I think they're they're different enough that I would want to call them different things. I think I agree with you because of the definition of sadism. I think that you
1: could be a very sweet, nice person who would never do something like trolling children and yet delight in like ripping the flesh off of living animals in your basement. And uh, I think that you could be someone who loves trolling, but would be like, oh my God, no, I'm not going to slap my lady while we're having sex, even if she's into it. That's too weird. Or, you know,
0: just not torture people who don't
1: want to be tortured. Uh... Yeah. But but the question ultimately is, if you see someone making these dad jokes are they more likely to be the kind of person who is into sadism than who isn't? Or, or these dad trolls? Like, on the one hand, I almost want to say yes, because doing dad trolling correlates with being male, and being male correlates with being more sadistic than the general population, since the general population includes females. But on the other hand, I think that's that's way too weak of a connection, because then you could just say that anything that is correlated with being male correlates with sadism, I don't think that works. In that case, just update on the subject being male rather than this third thing. I mean, I I love dad jokes.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. what does that
1: tell you about my propensity towards sadism? In my opinion, nothing. Or nothing that I didn't already know by the fact that you're male.
0: Fair enough. I mean, I happen happen to have no interest in, in sadism.
1: Yeah, if I didn't know what your sex was, then telling me that you're into dad jokes and trolling of that nature would update me slightly. But given that I do already know that, it doesn't change things for me. Hmm.
0: I, you know, I once in a while I, I'm on the dad jokes subreddit, and it's like my mom told me this one or whatever. The first comment is always like, "She'll make a great dad someday." You know, like <laughs> it, it, nice. a dad joke is it's it's in spirit. It's not in who's saying it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Tons of
0: women love him. Charlie loves dad jokes. Well, and, you know, like a lot of them, again, it's like, oh, my, you know, my daughter got me with this joke or something. It, you know, she's like five and she did, you know, wordplay or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, she's going to be a great dad. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's, it's that kind of thing. But yeah. um, All right. Well, meta note for this one, we both had the same thought that this is, you know, not to put the rest of the book down, but this is the first time I've actually been like gripped and excited. Yeah. Reading this. Yeah. It got a little um, I don't want to say dry. It got Oh, it got as convoluted as it needed needed to be, and it was it was textually necessary, like mm-hmm. with the um the guy who was running around with that like super witch at the end. Yes, uh, there was a bit there that got a little drier. I agree. It, got, it got a little esoteric, but he was doing like the three levels of abstraction talking that he needed to do to like maintain plausible deniability for all of the contrived circumstances that they're in, which is delightful. Yeah, and so I totally get why it was happening, and it maybe it was supposed to be a little confusing or like a little dry because like. When when you live in such a fucked up world that that's how many caveats you have to put on like a, you know, do you have anything you want to tell us? Question mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then it's kind of, it's it's, uh, demonstrative of how fucked up that society is, right? I think
1: that since this is a thing that is not just trying to be entertaining, it's trying to teach as well. It was a good level of having some dry teachingness in there that was supported along by the rest of the story. Like this is the first time since I've been reading where I got to the end and I was like, God damn it. I really want to keep <laughs> reading. I can't believe I have to stop. Now I know how Steven felt all those weeks and worth the candle. Yay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I had to because I don't want to spoil myself for the next episode yet. No, of course. Um, yeah. So yeah, this was, I, I was really into this. And I think a lot of it was just that this is the first time we really see strong stakes for the people that we care about like they're getting tortured and that's big and i'm scared for them and i hate that this is happening to them
0: and yeah I, I i got pulled in yeah you know like they're 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 scared you know things are happening you know like when she was threatened by i think it was the same guy the one whatever elias was threatening carissa several weeks ago i was like yeah she'll be fine because mm-hmm. it was too early in the story for anything to happen to her but you know this one it things are kicking off so Uh, Yeah, let's uh, let's jump in and start talking about it. Hell yes.
1: Ione Sala comes up to Keltham at the end of the lecture and says, hey, uh, I'm a follower of Nethis. I really appreciate what you taught me today. Like this is so important to me that I will do anything you want for you sexually at any time just to repay you the favor because I have no other way
0: to like pay you for this awesomeness that you gave me. She she did also and, say like teach a magic, but she also because it's celiacs had to say sexually. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. She's she was, like, she was, like, she was op- offering
0: yeah whatever services she can, including her body. Absolutely. Because they're, yeah. that, that seems to be the only currency these people know how to deal in. So I don't think so. I think she doesn't really have much else. Right. Because they don't have money. Because they're not getting paid. They're exchanging knowledge and sexual favors for each other. That is their currency.
1: Yes. Yeah. We find out later that this is not actually the reason she went up to him. She was just doing this so she, so he would remember, like, this is Ione Sale, And if she disappears, I'll notice. Uh, but I did not believe when she was saying this, that she was uh, a Nethys follower. She's obviously playing something, but she's not actually a Nethis person.
0: Isn't it a bit of both? I mean, because she well, actually is. We find
1: out later that she is. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was surprised by that.
0: Yeah. So at the time I was like, oh yeah, she's just there to find another way to wiggle in. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we learned that she actually is of the the Nethian persuasion. I think it like must have happened during class. Right. She's just I, suddenly a, an oracle of Nethis maybe during lunch or something but yeah some sometime really close to then and so now she's like oh yeah i'm like i'm really really super into what you're teaching so please please keep keep it up with that um, mm-hmm. yeah at first it just sounded like sucking up right yeah but yeah then then too it was the same thing of like just uh so remember me i've got probably a name tag on and everything so if i start acting different or if i stop coming in <laughs> you know it's because i said these things and she asks him mm-hmm. you know like to uh swear to secrecy and stuff first and he's like oh, i don't understand why." tell me this, if you're not worried about listeners behind the magical walls or behind the walls or magical eavesdropping or something. But he thinks to himself, if it was true and not a trap to see if I'm planning to betray Asmodeus. And I'm like, good, he's catching to his proper paranoia here.
1: I like that he just assumed they're under
0: surveillance now, which is cool. Yeah, it's about time. I think he might have been assuming that but I guess he isn't aware of the level. He may even be thinking that they're reading his mind. But it's like, well, what I have is too valuable for them to be mad that I'm a heretic or something. I think that uh, the level at which like this is just super casual will probably surprise him when he discovers it. But yeah, I also just noted that uh, Ukawski was writing both parts here for Iona and Caltham because like sometimes they write things, you know, against each other. You know, like yeah. And uh, th- he's like, I think he just did both because he's like, I really want this character to have this part, right? Yeah. So I don't know what like the if they exchange emails or like non-text or non-tag communications if they're going to do stuff like that. I have heard that there is generally some back channel uh, between authors when they're writing a glowfic. I would think there'd have to be just because it's like, look, I really didn't want to have an ethos thing. That's actually going to fuck up the whole story. Like if that mm-hmm. was the case, then you're like, okay, cool. I'll drop that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, or I'll at least leave you for you to knock it down. Right. Yep. Yeah.
1: After she leaves him, she's confronted by, uh, I believe this is Elias, right? The invisible guy that's been around the whole time so far.
0: Yeah. And he was so fun, you know, when he ran off to grab that spell and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. and now he sucks i mean he's great he's a great bad guy he's just he's he's the worst right (laughs)
1: yes it's like it's like how
0: much fun voldemort has you know doing mean things to people
1: yeah i don't know like it's i still think that he was that he was fun like it was cool that he had that triumph with getting the scroll and everything i still appreciate that I mean, I, I don't, yeah. Was, was your enjoyment of that diminished by finding out that he's a, you know, terrible, typical celiacs person? Kind of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, okay.
0: I, you know, some horns effect maybe, right? But yeah. um, I mean, I, I, I liked, you know, his, I, yeah no, I guess, you know, I like the, the victory or whatever that, you know, the, the cleverness, the just getting it in, in time kind of thing. But uh, it, it makes me like him less. So when that made me like him. Like, th- this is such a swing against that. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't like him anymore, even if he still, you know, does cool stuff. Okay. Does cool stuff like, you know, uh, maiming, but without, you know, permanently, you know, damaging somebody as a form of just, like, pure retaliation. Yeah. For nothing, for something that she didn't have control over. um Yeah. Yeah. I guess that
1: that is the Chileaxian way. You impose costs on people if they do things you don't like, even
0: if they couldn't quite help it. See, that makes no sense, though. And that goes against, you know, like Keltham's uh, definition of dignity, right? You don't get mad at people for doing stuff that they're supposed to do. And I would put under that stuff that they can't help but do. I absolutely agree with you in the real world. I think in
1: this world, since the since this was a something that was done by a god, by Nethys, maybe having a credible commitment to punish people who interfere with your shit, uh, would discourage Nethus slightly from doing this, and Nethus was like, "Well, this is a cost I'm willing to pay. One of my followers will be tortured for a bit, but it's worth it." Whereas this might happen more frequently if the the people she oracled or the people he oracled weren't tortured.
0: Yeah, it could be. It's it's fun to imagine that they would think that they could influence the decisions of gods at all, but they probably totally can, right? Yeah, that's and, and they the and they, whole... they probably do think about that.
1: Yeah, it's a large part of the walk around the garden section is that humans do influence
0: the what gods. Can and do do. Right, but it's by, you know, stepping on things that they shouldn't step on or just failing to listen to orders, not by setting up plots against them, right? Yeah, but I think it's in the Asmodean teachings that she should be tortured. Because she had the misfortune of, of having another god like her. Yep. Yep. All right, well, fair and,
1: enough. <laughs> yeah, and Nethus would know that about Asmodeus. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ione is now worried about credibly committing to and personally truly believing that she will cooperate with the Chelish government in anything, so long as it doesn't turn Nethas against her in the afterlife. That really drove home to me, like, how much everyone is just coordinating everything in their lives around the gods. That's the primary thing that's of
0: importance to basically everyone in this society. That caveat that she gave at the end is probably why she got her eyes gouged out, right? You know, I'll anything I can to cooperate, just, uh, that doesn't turn Nethas against me. It's like, what do you mean Nethas? Fuck you. I know that's not exactly what happened, but... That, that, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a super heretical thing to say, right? It definitely would be heretical to, to a follower of Asmodeus, yeah. Yeah, which they all were, you know, three hours ago. Yeah, yeah. And you're right, like it it does emphasize how important all this afterlife business is and stuff, but this is half the fuel for the fires of the Inquisition, or at least some percentage of it. I don't know how many of it was actually, you know, truly motivated by this nice ideology ideology of like, look, it sucks that we're doing these terrible things to you, but this is just a passing thing. You're a mortal soul, man. That's what we're. That's what we're really here to try to save. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really believe that, you can justify all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a weird place. Another weird thing was that
1: he has her fail her will save. Says so literally failure will save. Say that again. So <laughs> assuming that he casts some sort of spell on her that she has a will save against. Now I want to know how literal the game rules are because failure fail will save is something that a DM would say to a player or something, right? Th- th- to have it two people say to each other in the real world makes me... Again, I mean, they they literally have stats <laughs> that they can see. They can see each other's alignments with spells. This is fascinating, and I want I
0: want to know what it's like to live in an actual game world. Yeah, I'm really... I can't wait until these mechanics start playing more of a role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see, like... I mean, it seems to imply that she tried to pass a will... Like, she... Maybe... You know, she just, if she didn't roll, right? But what does that, exactly what does that mean? What does that entail in her mind? Mm-hmm. Um, is she making a dice roll every time she walks down the hall to like not trip? Like, it, the other funny thing I thought about was like, what if she's got a hot hand and she just keeps passing her will save? Does he just keep punishing her? Like, I believe you can uh, choose to fail a save if you want to. Oh,
1: well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Why not? In the rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the fact that you can choose to fail one in the rules is. Very much conceit of the rules. So the fact that he said that in real life is what really drew my attention to it. Yeah, no, not just I, like "don't resist my magics" or something. Literally, failure will
0: save. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what this, what this looks like. Yeah, uh, some sort of pun for looks like. Um, Elias says, "Well, I'll submit this situation for review, and now you can guide your eyeball out." Uh, the conversation mm. being over. Mm-hmm. someone will come by and heal it in an hour or so. They're not savages. No, no. Nothing savage going on here. That was fucking, like, yeah, that was when I really started,
1: like, okay, shit, Th- this chapter is the one that brought home what we're dealing with in hell here. And that was the first part of it where he's like, okay, cool. Now I'm just going to mutilate you. And then, I thought the even cooler, in her agony, post-gouging, she's lying on the floor, trying not to move too much so she doesn't bleed out. And she's being extremely careful to censor her thoughts because even her thoughts can hurt her here. Uh, But the things she's like thinking about are things she's really happy about. And she keeps forcing herself not to think them. And she said it's ended with, she wipes the smile hard off her face. As soon as she notices that it's there, God, that was such good writing the despair of, I can't think these things that actually make me
0: really happy. But like,
1: you can feel the actual happiness coming through. I,
0: I loved that so much. I think she's coming to terms with the fact that she never really wanted to go to hell in the first place. You know, now yeah. now that the option is there not to, she mm-hmm. was like, oh, thank God, that did sound terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, can't think that, not until she's more powerful, right? Yeah. Speaking of like the game rules thing, I
1: did a Google on Pathfinder Oracles. When you create an Oracle character, it is a character who's, a class is forced upon them by a god and maybe they know who the god is maybe they don't but they didn't have any choice in this and it kind of fucks up their life exactly like what happened here and the thing is i, was, I when i was reading the rules i was like oh this is really cool i would like to play a character like this in a game that would make for some really fun role playing but when you read the rules you have a lot of agency like your character didn't choose to do that but You chose to make a character like that, so you're still completely in control of what happens to them, and seeing it happen to a quote-unquote real person, like someone who I'm not in control of, who I am modeling as doing their own thing because they're puppeted by, by these two authors instead of by my own brain, it felt distinctly different, even though I know the exact same thing is happening, just once removed. That dichotomy between being in a game and seeing an actual person having that control ripped away from them, it felt it felt different.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's you know, like the, the next exchange with uh, we can we can skip past this Ottomans quote that I have because it just leads up to her, uh, cl- or what is it, Orgling or clericing, uh, like a, a halfling slave in the halls.
1: <laughs> yes, that was great.
0: And so it, it's just like this, right? This, so like I mentioned above, you know, he could cuss up both parts so that he could have this Ioni th- this Ioni thing go the way he wanted, mm-hmm. and presumably. He thought it would be fun to have this, you know, this other side thing. And he, he left this door open for, uh, uh, Kelsey to, to work with or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Ottomans decides that, okay, you know what? Um, I've decided I'm not going to break the rules against provocation, you know, regardless of provocation, if they're going to oppose me, then there are things I can do because there's options, you know, now that things have been going on, you know, people throwing levels at each other. Right. Yeah. And so the slave in the hallway gets a fourth level Oracle of Ottomans mm-hmm. and, then the next line is just from uh, Kelsey that just says, he's immediately arrested by security. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was awesome. My thoughts as well, I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then I read the next sentence and was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, like, I, I thought this was like a kind of a cool you know, side thing, but they've got apparently alarms that go off if anyone receives any sort of God interactions. So, oh, man.
1: I, I love the fact that the way Eliezer chose to do this, he's like, Ottomans, completely soci- socially inept, does not understand social stuff at all, right? Like, very much the Metatron from Unsung kind of highly asp- aspy type of personality. So he's like, oh, oh, I see. You made an oracle of someone in this place? Well, I'm going to make an oracle too. How- this halfling slave, oracle, boom! And <laughs> and completely clues to the fact that, like, a halfling slave immediately just going to be get picked up, taken off the game board. Like, you-, you can't just randomly do it to whatever. You have to be socially smart about who you choose as your oracle. Or they're going to get taken out like that. I-, I loved the demonstration of how social cluelessness can really hurt you.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I thought maybe she was just trying to be subtle, right? Like, do it under the radar. Um, but that's uh, what, part of the social cluelessness, he was. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only reason that Ionia wasn't tackled and dragged out of the room when it happened was because she was in front of her peers and Keltham would, you know, they really want what's in Keltham's brain and he would probably stop cooperating if they watched her get dragged into the hallway and get her head cut off, so...
1: It was a great character moment for Ottomans. Oh, it was great. So Elias goes to visit Carissa, and he's like, all right, so what's uh, what's going on with Keltham's teachings? Why are they not compatible with our theology? And Carissa's like, well, you know, he's from a different world, etc. Like, very careful not to say anything bad, bad about Asmodeism. And Elias is like, look, I'm in a hurry, and that your ability to say things that don't mean anything isn't in question. What's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, I really love it when people can just actually be honest and frank with each other and that they sometimes have informal code phrases for now is such a time. Like enough with the bullshit. You don't have to pretend you love Stalin or whatever. We have a serious problem and I just want to know the answer and you will not be punished in this situation. And as Carissa, you can't entirely believe him, but you can mostly believe him. So you can be much more forthright all
0: of a sudden. I agree with all of that, except for the implicit promise that you won't be punished in this situation. I think it's more just like, look, I'm going to punish you. Like, just hurry up and tell me. You've already wasted, you know, two seconds of my life. Um, Uh, See, I. He he slaps her hard enough to kill a person. Yeah. Like, but not a wizard. Right, but I mean, it's still punishment. It's
1: true. I think the implication was very much. Normally, you would be tortured for heresy if you didn't dance around this and not say anything and you're not going to be tortured for heresy here we will keep your skin on you just tell me the thing and like a hard slap is much more of a token punishment when normally you get tortured halfway to death okay
0: i I see what you're saying and yeah i guess you know i think i think what he was i took it to him just to be saying that normally normally i'd indulge your ability to answer a question without saying anything um Mm. But I'm not doing that right now. Now I want an actual answer. Hurry up. Uh, yeah. With or without the the punishment implication. But I, I see what you're saying. And in real life, that is nice. Like you know, it if you're if you're close enough friend to somebody where you can be like, look, I just need an answer, and I'm not being rude. You know, no one's feeling is going to be hurt. Just like you know, whatever this is, can you help me move this couch or something? Right. Hmm. Um. It it's nice when you can kind of just cut straight to the point. Yeah. Without having to do all the nonsense, he's just like he wants to skip the nonsense. Yeah. But. I still and just, cool. again, like, you know, he, granted, she she's funny. Um, mm-hmm. She she tells a joke and, you know, he doesn't like that because he's mean, but uh, like they've got the, uh, they're going to go to the souls, you know, uh, signing, uh, whatever, um, ceremony, ritual, ritual. Yeah. and she's like, well, can I bring a date? And then he slaps her hard enough to kill somebody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: so wasn't he slapping her because you know, she was mouthing off rather than as punishment for telling him the potential heresy
0: yeah yeah i suppose you're right but i mean when somebody who you know is so so inclined if they say look i'm you know i just want an answer it's like sure but yeah. you're also the kind of person who you know will hit me hard enough to break my jaw uh um, yeah
1: it, it, yeah i wouldn't totally trust them i wouldn't go deep heresy for saying this but i would lower my guard a little bit get rid of some of the filters
0: well also because if you kept filtering he, was, he would hit you right oh that too yeah yeah um but either way uh, it's 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 isn't this is part of like when the tension starts climbing right yeah and it's so delightfully broken when you know it, we get a keltham tag In parentheses, Project Nap, currently making excellent progress. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. When Keltham is like, man, my day is so stressful.
1: I I really wish I was my research harem because their days are so carefree. (laughs) I wish I could have as carefree a day as they're having. I was like, oh, my God, Keltham, this is wonderful. This is like he doesn't know. He legit thinks that this is not a horrible world. And we're finally seeing just how naive and innocent he is.
0: I mean he he thinks he's seen what horrible looks like. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, we haven't scratched the surface. You've heard that there's a world wound and that people get tortured or whatever? Hold your breath, like this is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, th- their days are so much easier than mine. I'm I'm exhausted planning all these lessons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost torturous how much planning I have to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ioni is rolling around with an eyeball missing and the rest of them are off to sign their souls away tonight. So so Elias goes
1: to Ione and he tells her that it was a serious misconduct to try to come to his attention just so we wouldn't kill you. Then she says, look, I wasn't trying to inconvenience you. I wasn't even trying to live. I just was trying to make sure Nethis didn't shatter my soul. He asks her in a separate incident, but I put it in the same area here. Is this a trade that you want to make? Becoming less useful to hell after death to be more useful to Keltham? For that part, though, he was talking to Carissa.
0: I think you're right. Yeah, he was talking to Carissa. Or the first two was uh, Ione, then the, then it was Chris, in the last one.
1: Yeah. And I know I said this earlier, but it really ground into me like everything in this world is about how useful you are to a god in the astor- afterlife. There's really nothing else that matters than your afterlife prospects and specifically what use a god will make of your soul. And I think this is awesome world building. And I'm kind of curious if that's Pathfinder canon that Everyone on the world in Galarian is primarily concerned about that rather than the things we would be concerned about in a non afterlife world.
0: Yeah, it makes you wonder. Uh, I only played part of a campaign and the gods never came up, but mm-hmm. maybe they just didn't want to dig into the lore of it. You're right. I did take these out of order. And oh, no, that's the- fine. And I forgot to mention at the top of the show we made a. Uh, we're, we're attempting to, to take less notes this time, so that, or to put less notes in our formal show notes this time so that. The episodes don't run quite as long, so, mm-hmm. uh, or rather just they, they don't get quite as rambly. Yeah. But then we get to the part where uh, she gets, like, her contract.
1: Yeah, she asks after she's done reading it, yeah, she's like, okay, cool, standard contract. You want me to tell the kids that it's a standard contract? By the kids being the research hermets. She says, I don't know how many of them will have looked it up. And Elias says, the ones who don't have the initiative to get confirmation that they have a standard contract don't have a standard contract. <laughs> I was like, fucking, fucking Asmodeus, exactly what you would expect, right? Just bleed out every little edge you can.
0: If they don't know what something's worth, we're not going to tell them. Exactly. Yeah. It's cutthroat, but it's perfectly consistent. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Then we get an insight into actual, like, the Asmodeus himself, personally. Uh, I'm just going to read this. All this goes through a splintered facet of Asmodeus's attention in a fractional moment of reflex, before that splintered fragment directs a thought to a Duke of Hell who will not be shattered by it, and then goes on to other parts of his business, elsewhere on this plane. The thought consists of the relevant facts and a statement of intents. Greater attention to the mortal details and specifying a precise policy around them is what underlings are for. I thought this was an amazing, fantastic rendition of a god, of like this disembodied, detached optimization process who who doesn't like have interests and attention the same way we think of them. But it's just like a small facet thing. Here's data in. Here's some quick process. Here's a dump of intentions and relevant data to someone else. You already know how to execute on my algorithms go do the thing. Like this was really cool and made it feel both alien and powerful and overarching I guess in a way that human consciousnesses aren't. I liked it.
0: Yeah, it's nice to kind of see some version of what it's like going on in, in their heads because it explains, mm-hmm. you know, why why doesn't he just like tell them what to do? He's too busy and, he, you know, his his attentions across all the dimensions, not like, you know, the boring gods that can literally do everything, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm doing all the other complicated stuff. But of course, you have my full attention. That level of omnipotence gets boring pretty fast. Yeah.
1: It's more like the gestalt of, of an ideology of a of a decision
0: process than he is a personal being, right? Yeah. I loved the... So I think she gets, like, her contract slid over to her, then we get the cut to Asmodeus... And then she's going to sign it. And then he's like, ah, not so fast. And pulls Mm -hmm. the paper away. And then Elias is preparing a spell in the corner. Probably going to just, what, blow her up or something? Something. Uh,
1: It's a combat spell.
0: Yeah. She's like, what's the problem? I have a date. Uh, And he's like, rejoice. You've come to the attention momentarily of a god. This this was the gripping stuff we were talking about. Yeah. It's great.
1: Yeah. I, I could not stop at this point. I was just like going and going through that whole scene. Agreed. When you said, like, is there a problem? I have a date. The demon she's talking to, Fistophiles, uh, maybe? He thinks, oh, I like this one. He'd like to rip her heart out, specifically. <laughs> and I love that. I thought that was, as a devil, the more he likes someone, the more he wants to torment them. And I just, I got a, a frizz of a, a feeling of what being this sort of thing must be like to to be drawn to something in order to hurt it i don't know it was it was a cool taste in a a character
0: i i took him just to be like the exact kind of like you know satan voldemort puppy kicking monster where it's like oh look this one has a backbone i'm going to enjoy ripping it out of her and slapping across the face with it yeah like not not just like oh you know she's great it's gonna make it that much it's gonna make it that much fun to torture her just so i can break her
1: right that's what makes that's what makes her more fun more
0: liking Fistophilus, I think, was this one's name. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, but in my head, I kept calling him Fisto, which makes me think of Fisto, <laughs> the robot from Fallout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think we should go with the more Greek pronunciation where it's Fistopha rather than
0: Fisto. Yeah. Fistophilus, for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, but
0: Fisto works too. Yeah. I mean, he's probably into that too, you know. Yeah, he's fucking devils, man. Assume the position. Yeah. Um. Mm. <laughs> Uh, a neat thing that
1: I didn't realize we were going to get a lot more of when I first pulled this out is that one of the things he says is that um, the queen and her slaves need not concern themselves proactively with Carissa's descent into cruelty, wickedness, and the darkness of her own soul. But if she wishes to indulge those things, they she should get support as the inheriting daughter of a court, of a count. Uh, the fact that... Their ruling class is expected to descend into cruelty, wickedness, and darkness. It gave me a feeling that maybe hell is a pretty bad place so uh, this, this this place sounds like not necessarily the kind of place I'd want to be hell or Treliax? both
0: yeah, both for sure yeah. Um, yeah yeah, I mean it's the I don't know i mean that seems to be the part of the 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 promise or whatever the agreement here the will of Asmodeus that's communicated that matters the most. Um, she's not to sell her soul today. Uh, she is allowed to travel beyond as If she had sold her soul, she's allowed access to her teacher. Um, in matters apart from those, she's to be trusted, rewarded and punished no more and no less than, than she has earned by Asmodeus's law. Mm. Uh, yeah, don't, don't try and correct her. Don't, don't try and give a course correction because, uh, anything beyond the ordinary, you know, uh, because she's special. So it's basically, it goes from like, you know, we're going to blow her head up to like, oh, okay, well, in that case, uh, you got it. And then there, there is some like kind of nice little fuckery later. I don't know if I pulled out where it's like, whatever. She's be prioritized as though she were the inheriting daughter of a count of Chelly It's like, well, as long as we're dealing with this hypothetical person, well, there's no actual, you know, inheritance because this person's hypothetical, but we're not going to deal with it that way. Um, Like basically they're saying, yes, we found a way to weasel through this, but we're not going to, Mm -hmm. Uh, which was, I guess, nice of him to point out, but also nice of him not to try. Yeah, because it's it's different than like just trying to get around, you know, a standard contract like they'll try and do with, you know, Keltham or something. Right. Uh, Right. This is their actual God. So we're not going to honor the actual letter of the word. We're going to honor what we interpret to also be the spirit of it. So then she gets to go off and and process the situation. And
1: Ooh, can we, can we touch on the last thing that happened before she goes off to process?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was Is so that, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. The devil tells her like when she's she, basically, she's like, yes, I understand. Uh, mm-hmm. And he stares at her and he's like, cause I think she's trying to keep her composure. Mm-hmm. He, you should be more excited and grateful. Little moral. Even most barons of hell have never come to our Lord's direct attention. So he's like jealous and also thinking that she should be, you know, more like weeping with gratitude. Yeah. And he says i would dearly like to eat your heart right now
1: yes and she says did you hear what you just said in reference to all the things about how she's to be treated basically as a minor princess of hell we'll see who gets to eat whose heart this was like right after she was like oh my god i'm fucking terrified but i know i have to be a badass here and steal myself and she drops that bomb on a fucking devil and it was awesome <laughs> it made me say fuck
0: yes This is the
1: badass bitch I'm here for.
0: I had the same quote with essentially the same comment. So um, our our notes collided there. I like it. The next line was, it occurs to him then, though only briefly, that perhaps he ought to be the one who's afraid. Yes. (laughs) And then he's like, well, I gotta go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Deuces. Please don't remember my name. Right. That was Fisto with an F. Bye. Uh, (laughs) So she's reflecting on the exact words of the translated will of Asmodeus. And she thinks that she needs to be more evil. I think something about, like, nurture those parts of you that are already with my will or something, right? Mm -hmm. And it says, she's pretty sure, in hindsight, that every evil thing she's ever done has been the first kind, the weaker kind. The evil of choosing Carissa Savar over every other person in the universe. So there's two kinds of evil. You know, the kind of, like, being selfish, and then the kind of, like, whatever. Smashing babies because you can, right? Yeah. The Um, descent
1: into cruelty, wickedness, and the darkness of your soul.
0: Yeah, and... Like, she feels un- unapologetically, she feels unapologetic about all of that evil. Certainly no other person in the universe is choosing Christa over themselves. And if they were, they'd be stupid to con, that would, be, would hey, excuse me. And if they were, that it'd be stupid and contemptible of them. Mm. And that that's, you know, I pulled that out because the, the, she has no concept of what love is. I believe she's probably never seen love in her life. Yeah, but it seems like its it's incomprehensible to her you know would you be able to comprehend love if you'd never
1: seen anyone be loving in
0: in your life i'm not like probably not i'm I'm not you know saying that she should know it from you know from the wombs you know and what and what she's been through but i'm merely pointing out that she's a loveless monster you know (laughs) whether or not you know she gets any agency over that or not
1: ah okay okay that's a good point i mean i don't is she a loveless monster though? Didn't we just say fuck yes? This is the badass we're here for.
0: We can like her. Yeah, you know, it, it was fun watching Voldemort be cool. You know, like it. It was bad when he, you know, nailed the skins of Yermie Wibble's family to the newsroom wall. Right. Right. But it was badass. Yeah. So I, guess. I, I think that you know, it's it's similar here. Although we're rooting th- for her and we're not rooting for Voldemort. But yes,
1: and I, I think a large part of that is because we are given right now this specific thing where she's like. I am the kind of evil where I have to take care of myself and put myself first because no one else in the world does, which I think is pretty understandable to us, even if we think it's unfortunate, as opposed to the kind of evil where you intentionally torture
0: puppies and kill toddlers. Right. Well then, because she's already good at the first kind of, of being super selfish and having no notion of love, she's like, well, I really need to, to practice that second part. Uh, um, mm-hmm. the evidence of that, she says, uh, Krissa has spent a lot of time worrying if she is loyal enough, but almost none worrying if she's evil enough. She's not squeamish; she doesn't refuse to report people out of misguided sympathy for them. She's whipped students who get bad grades and practiced deadly spells on weeping prisoners. Mm-hmm. So, she, she's also the second kind, right? <laughs> much. She, she's much not. She's less not less so. Well, that's only because she hasn't had a chance to nurture it yet. She's 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 affirming now that she's like I got to practice of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Maybe she yes. won't get that far, and we can and we can keep liking her, but I'm thinking she's going to practice, like, I wonder what happens, you know, I wonder if, I can, if with this spell I can make babies breathe underwater. Let's try it on 30, you know, people's kids, right? See, I think that's, that feels different to me,
1: because, I don't know, there's- Also, that's they... more
0: of a Nethese thing. She would just do it for fun.
1: Totes, yeah, just to see if it works. I think there's a difference between what is socially considered deserved versus what is capricious and cruel. Like- Descent into cruelty and wickedness feels to me like doing evil things just for the joy of doing them, whereas if someone gets bad grades, then it is socially accepted that they are deserving of a whipping. That is what happens, much like we would say if somebody stole something, they're deserving of a punishment of some kind. Uh, And, you know, weeping prisoners, well, these are people that have already been found guilty by the law and uh, you're just executing the the punishment that was handed down, right? So even though those are probably people whose only crime was loving their children too much or whatever, there there is a sort of feeling of this was deserved that makes you slightly less culpable as opposed to, oh, they don't deserve anything, but I'm doing it anyway because it's more fun to hurt people who don't deserve it.
0: Right. As evil as the... Sentiment and rationale of "I was just following orders" is mm-hmm. um, it is better than like no man I volunteered because I thought it would be awesome, right? Yeah, and yeah. so uh, previously she, she might have been just doing the first, but she wants to be more like the kind of person who would do the second. Yeah, and uh, that that seems you know maybe disappointing, right?
1: Yeah, that is unfortunate. I, I you know I don't think that's because she's a bad person. I think that's because the society she's in is awful, which I guess has made her a bad person, but. I'm more disappointed in society than her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, again, you know, it's you're you're right. I mean, I don't want to like you know, like make it. We can still enjoy the character. I I still want to see what she does, and you know, I don't want her to succeed at killing all the all the innocent puppies. But Mm -hmm. I'm eager to see what will happen there. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you know, we all still like Professor Quirrell, even though he was super evil, right? Yeah. So I, I think that that's where. Some of this is going to be like, in, it's we saw him do evil stuff. We saw him threaten to do evil stuff. We knew he'd do it. And it's like, we still don't want him to die, right? I, I think that's weird. kind of what we're going in, for here.
1: It definitely is. In
0: my head, I still
1: have a separation between Professor Quirrell and Voldemort. Even yeah. though I know, according to canon, they're the same person. But they just don't feel like the same person to me. I still like one and I still hate the other. And I think that's... Yeah.
0: No, uh, I I don't know. I, again, I hate saying that's intentional. Uh, that's I think that's how we're supposed to read. Yeah. It. Uh, but I yeah. think that's I think that is intentional. Harry felt the same way, right? Yeah. You know, it's uh, they're they're two different people in the same way that you know they're it's you know Voldemort was a character that Tom Riddle was playing as much as Professor Quirrell was, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just who was it underneath? I don't know, man. I don't know who anyone really is underneath all that. Um, that's fair. So. Well, we'll see who she decides to play. Right now, she wants to she wants to play Voldemort and get good at it. Yes, she, you know she she whips him, but she doesn't whip him as hard as you know maybe as hard as she can, you know. And she doesn't enjoy it as much as she, as she possibly can. She Julie really wants to, so right. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll see. Um, Iona has got a uh, a pretty cool. So I guess if you're um Oracle, do you get a cool curse. You or get not a necessarily curse. a cool curse. <laughs> yeah, but she got a cool curse. I think so. She has to live in a library
1: for the rest of her life. I like even to the point where she's like, I-, I think if I had a bedroom that was a library, that might work, but it couldn't just be a bedroom with books in it. It would literally have to be that people need to be able to wander into the- her bedroom at any time and read the books there. And that seemed kind of sweet to me. Maybe it's just because I have such a positive affect for libraries. But I was like, "Aw, that would be a really nice curse. I wouldn't mind people wandering into my bedroom as long as they were doing it to read books." Well, and, and probably you know, in my eyes, have, have,
0: have hours. You know,
1: that's a good point. I'm assuming hers might not, or else the curse might be too weak. Maybe I mean, you get six does.
0: hours a night, you know, to yourself or something. But it's yeah. like of all the curses, it seems like you know pretty good. I'm not sure what the what's on the the menu that's available but like it could have been something as stupid as like has to spend 16 hours a day standing you know or on her head right oh there's like, some really awful ones when I was looking
1: through the Oracle rules there's some bad curses out there
0: well this one you know she she got off super easy I
1: guess you remember the plague times right not being able to leave your apartment sucks imagine having that for the rest of your life
0: yeah I wonder like you know, those little libraries that, you know, are in mailbox shaped things on the street. Mm-hmm. If she was just constantly carrying a luggage, like, no, with a bunch no. of books, I'm not saying There's that like, no she could point. weasel around this forever, but like, could she get from place to place doing that? Like, she's literally a traveling library. No, then it's not a curse. It's still a curse. She still has to drag all these books around. Like, she yeah. still has to, she still has to do the library business, right? I'm not saying like sh- that she could weasel around it because it's part of her soul now, but it's like, yeah, it, it might mean that she can actually leave the house as long as she continues to stay in, in a library. Hmm. If it's not... Yeah, she it's not merely that she'd like, be near one, which it, the suitcase would be the library at that point, right? I would argue that a suitcase is not a library, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, I mean, like the little libraries, maybe they're not libraries the same way that the buildings are either, but they kind of are. They kind of are. So... The only way this would really work, yeah, she'd have to, like, get some sort of, like, hamster wheel or hamster ball kind of thing where it's full of books. People can walk <laughs> in and out and check them out, but she can still run around. Maybe it's still easy on, on the list of curses, but, yeah, you're, you're making it sound less fun, but it's not the worst thing ever.
1: I don't know. I've long had a long-standing beef with privacy, so I might be a particularly good person for this to be a curse on. But uh, it does sound like a cool curse
0: to me, yeah. Again, it not without its downsides. Yeah. 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 Um, so she's, this is back with her POV and she's thinking about her current circumstances. Like, what the hell? And it's fun because Chris is having the same sort of thing. There was a line where it was like, a different Carissa than she was 10 minutes ago leaves the room or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, people are getting, you know, level ups literally and figuratively left and right here. Yeah. And
1: she's thinking about the unfairness of reality. This sounds a lot like The Odyssey to me, where she's like, why? do I owe anything to this god? Why does anyone owe anything to gods? Like, they're not down here helping the humans. They could help us, but they don't. Nethis never made her his oracle or helped her in any other way before she was in a position to be useful to him, you know? And I'm putting the emphasis on this sentence that is maybe not how she would have said it or how it was meant to be read, but, like, this very much felt like a fuck the gods for ignoring me and letting me live through this hellscape land Right up until I'm valuable to them. And then, oh, all of a sudden they intervene. Like, screw you, gods. And I'm with her on this. It is also one of the things that I hated about gods back when I believed in them. And it's weird. You know when you first turn to an atheist from being a believer and you don't really believe in God anymore, but you still have all that pent up anger at how unfair things would have been if God did exist?
0: Yeah, it's easy to recreate that whenever I'm reading any fiction with gods in it.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So i I got those vibes all over again when I was reading this, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck those guys." But or if anyone ever says
0: to you, you know, even as a non believer, that like, "Oh, it all it's all part of God's plan." Oh yeah, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and it's like, okay, yeah, fuck you. If there's yeah. if there's reason for that, y- you and the reason maker can fuck right off. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But in this particular world, like these gods aren't omnipotent. They're they're much more like extremely powerful agents who still have limits on their resources so i don't think net could help everyone like just literally impossible for net to do that and so he has to pick and choose where he people use his resources and when you have to pick and choose like you're going to use your resources for people that can provide you return value
0: right like it just it'd be stupid not to no of course although which one was it that threw cleric or threw through money at asmodeus to make him add more cleric levels to kill them? That was Nethus. So I mean, this is a little crazy. Yeah. So it's not like he's not willing to throw his, his money around willy nilly, but hmm. uh, you know, but he, he does still, he still, money. he still does have a finite amount. So uh, yeah, you know, it. I can still totally sympathize with her though. Like, and she probably understands that too, right? Like, yeah, the gods can only do so much for some reason that they are they are constrained despite being so powerful. But yeah. uh, I'm still a little salty. You know, I think I think I think that's yeah. her vibe. Yeah. It. It got me to thinking because
1: we are in this position as humans and specifically as humans living in America that we have more resources than we need just to ourselves but we can't save literally everyone so we got to make these choices too and I got to say I it it almost seems nice that like when someone is choosing who to help that there's certain default grace conditions of just like well I'm this person's child, or I'm this person's nephew, or whatever. So they're going to help me just because we're family. It, it feels, I almost think it is, it is, I, I use the words, the word grace, like it is a neat intervention from the divine that there are some cases where you will just get help from people much more able than you are, not because you are being specifically useful for them, not because you have to prove your worth, but just due to random accident. And it sucks that not everyone has that, but it's kind of nice that at least some people do. That not everyone is in this Malachian rat race to prove they're useful all the time.
0: Yeah, does I mean, that make sense? No, totally. You know, it's it's one of those things that people talking about, like, well, you know, strict utilitarians should you know skip their son's fifth birthday party so they can work a couple extra hours and donate that money or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but that's not actually being human. And yeah. there there is. Um, there's mm, beauty seems like too trite of a word, but it's the one that's coming to mind, you know, in, in our shortcomings, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're not, we're not perfect agents at these things, but that means that we can enjoy things like our kids' birthday parties. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can do that on the same day that there's an earthquake across the world that killed, you know, whatever, 10,000 people. And it's like, yeah. maybe, maybe we'd be, we we'd certainly be better at like whatever a world society. If we, canceled the birthday to donate money or something. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's just part of what being some of the stuff we'll probably grow out of, but some of it is, is there to stay around for a while. Like, you know, we, we care about those. We care about, we prioritize them over other people. Yeah. Yeah. She does say at the end here, despite
1: her bitterness, she says, but it's still a little warm to have a master who took real visible steps to protect her against the worst that other masters can do. That felt like a very sweet sentiment to me. Like, this is one of the things that appeals about Abrahamic religions, right? Just the idea that there is someone, Jesus loves you just because you are his kin, and he will protect you and be nice to you. And I don't know, something about it does feel very nice to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it, being a kid with a parent again.
0: Yeah, this this cutaway with her does the whole gamut of emotions that that we'd all be feeling here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fuck this guy for, you know, not doing this earlier, you know, all this is unfair, but also it's like, could have been somebody else, but he picked me, you yeah. know, um, that is still a, uh, valid thing nice to steal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also makes me, I don't know, kind of want to give someone else that feeling too, you know, hmm. if you can pay it forward, feels, feels like a nice way to make the world better.
0: I think that's, that's part of what loving somebody is. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, hopefully they feel, you can make them feel special, right? yeah and protected, yeah exactly well, uh, moving on,
1: uh, I almost said base uh Kelpham <laughs> is back with his uh students, and he is suggesting some ideas for what they can try to help get him his wizard levels, and he mentions a clever idea and says language note the baseline the baseline idiom for clever idea carries the connotation that clever ideas often aren't <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think it's cool that the connotation of "let's try my clever idea" is no, not cool. I, I, like if I were to say that in English, I would say something like "let's try my galaxy-brained idea here," right? To make right. it a little self-deprecating, make make it point out that like this is something I'm coming up with that may be really stupid. And Marich- Marichelle Marichelle says something similar. Uh, I think she said "brilliant idea," but uh, even though this is awesome and the way things should be. Does this mean that there's no way to say in baseline something like clever idea that doesn't imply that it might actually just be dumb? No, they they just probably have a
0: different word for it. Like, okay. I, I think this is a good idea. We should try it. But it's a okay. shorter sentence. All right. Like, I yeah. think it's just a legit good idea, period, without the cleverness, cheekiness
1: thrown in. Right, right.
0: Like, you know, yeah. we, could, we can do the same thing, you know, in English for all yeah. its faults. So baseline's got to be able to handle that. All right. Fair enough. I'm sure it's got gradations all the way from like sarcastic to 50 percent to 90 percent to 99.9 percent, right? Yeah, maybe so. And I, and all of those have fewer syllables than 99. <laughs> yeah, 99 percent. Yeah, um, I liked the I I, I like the same thing. Uh, Carissa doesn't have a watch because this place doesn't have watches. But mm-hmm. if she if she had thought about it, this is around exactly 24 hours that you know go that Keltham showed up, <laughs> yes. and she might have worried that. Not enough interesting things had happened to her over the last 24 hours. (laughs) I love that. It is
1: hilarious. And it is very much a thing that you only think if you think in narrative patterns, which I don't think Carissa would. But kind of cool that it was.
0: It was funny. I liked it. Me too. And again, looking at the author is fun, too. You know, it's it's a Carissa segment, but he jumps into it these. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was exactly Harry's first week, right? Uh-huh. He's sitting there, and he's like, God, he's it's, been his a, breath. it's been a week, but, it, you know, <laughs> has enough stuff happened? And then, like, on the dot, Trelawney starts screaming a prophecy, right? Uh-huh. And so, rather than that, we get, um, oh, she's got some complicated name. Aspexia Rugaton, Grand High Priestess uh, high of priest. Asmodeus.
1: Yeah, High Priestess, we can just call her. Great. Okay. Uh, and the Carissa is now terrified for her life again. And she comes to the conclusion that now that she's got the attention of the fucking high priestess here, she's concluded that she needs to get more ambitious, that being small isn't safe anymore. Uh, That is... That sucks. That is a legit sign of a dystopia, in my opinion.
0: That being small is safe or that being small isn't safe? That your two options...
1: Yeah, well, not just that... That your two options are to hide from power, which is what being small and safe is, right? Like the powerful just don't care about you because you don't have anything they want. Or become powerful and crush your opponents. Because if you are anywhere in the middle, the people who are powerful are going to crush you and take your stuff or do whatever they need to with you. Like, you literally only have the options of hide or become a monster because anything else results in death and suffering. And that's that's a dystopia.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, uh, it certainly sounds like you're describing uh, cheliax you know? Mm. Um I liked that, uh, you know, again, I still don't quite know whatever, like the, the the trait that's underneath the character names in the text, like in the tags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But hers is easy to steer. Yes, that was really cool. And when, you, when we get that glimpse in her head, like it's so obvious that's not a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's just like, why is it so fucking hard for you guys just to listen and do what you're told? Mm-hmm. I do it and it's actually what you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, why are you guys overthinking this? Let me think of yes. how I can, you know, it's like, Oh my God. You know, like, uh, your Amazon digital assistant, you know, you ask it the weather. Do you also want to know tomorrow's weather? Do you also want to know the humidity? Oh my God. Shut the fuck up, Alexa. Exactly. Every time. And it's, it's, uh, I I've even said like, you know, stop asking or stop offering to do the thing, you know, to do more, right. Just answer questions, but it doesn't, it's, yeah. it's not that nice yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you're being less helpful, actually, than you would if you are if you just told me the temperature, right? Yeah, and that, that's what I, everyone runs around trying to do for Asmodeus. Yes, and she was like, as "Look, he knows what he's doing. Just do what he says, right?" Yeah, not but only trying does to he anticipate know. his needs, you can't, right. right? You don't
1: know what you might be fucking up on accident because you don't know the deep reasons behind whatever he's doing here. Exactly. Um, I as long as we're talking about this, I'm going to jump ahead to the the quote I pulled out about it. If you don't mind, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, This is about her, easily steered. Uh, One of the foremost ways in which the Grand High Priestess is shaped is to predictably not behave in ways that make it more expensive for Asmodeus to keep his contracts. A little bit later on, the Most High has guessed that if we would otherwise press you with questions, our Lord would probably have needed to command us not to do it, given the character of his other commands. By avoiding pressing you with questions, then, we can perhaps have saved our Lord some cost and space for other instructions. (laughs) If there's anything you want to hear about this whole affair, the Most High wants to hear it, but you must not treat that truth as a command from the Most High. If that were predictably the way you behaved, Asmodeus might have needed to expend greater costs to tell the Most High not to appear before you and listen silently to you, if that's something she should not do. And with all this, given like how low bandwidth the communication is between the gods and the humans, how precious that resource is... It becomes extremely understandable why you want humans to be easy to steer like that and why the gods are so fucking flummoxed by mortals with free will like they have perfect God contracts that they have between each other that they must hold to that preserve the entire order of the universe. And these fucking humans are just going around messing up. Like, you don't want to break your contract, but the humans are fucking breaking it for you. <laughs> just adhere to your perfect God contract. And and then, you know, the, the advice that they're told is imagine how you would have acted if nothing that actually happened had happened. And <laughs> don't do anything aside from that. Like, that's fucking hard even for really smart people. Like your average human would have a hell of a time trying to implement that, and yeah, no wonder they're constantly being like, "Stop being a human and be hammered into a shape that is useful and that I can keep contracts with."
0: Yeah, no, it's it's great. And it, it her um her struggle with this is emphasized. Like I, I won't read the whole thing, but she like tried to devise a parable of a child who like you know. Must be instructed whose owner, not parent, must instruct yes. to navigate through a dungeon full of traps using a li- limited budget of words. Good analogy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and then when the analogy didn't work, she tried it with real kids, and <laughs> yes, uh, that also didn't work. God damn it! And but but you're right. It's it's like this is hard. She's trying to convince these people. Like, look, just do what you're told, and mm-hmm. we're we're actually that that is the most that's the most good. That's the, that's the optimal way to follow the will, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of our of our chosen God, but uh, no. Let me, you know, what else can I do for you? Can I also do this? Would this also be helping him? And it's like just yeah. shut up. And it's it's great. I totally get her mindset. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I would hate to live in that sort of mindset, but well, because you don't have free will, or at least not much. It it's is... because, because I do, right? And I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, well, yes, yes. I do think that this is one of the important things about becoming civilized, is that you become more predictable. Um like this is literally the problem with crazy people, right? You cannot predict how they're going to act. And the more that you can predict someone is going to be what we would call rational and sane, the more you can trust them to hold to keep their word the more you can trust them to that they're safe to be around like predictability is pretty important among humans to a, a certain extent you don't want to be an automata though
0: yeah no i mean i i agree um there's like when told when, when being told and when it matters you know to interpret an instruction
1: mm-hmm. totally
0: right but we sh- the way the difference between us being civilized you know people in a society and being a you know uh it's going to say poor religious nut job, but it's actually different because you know their God's real and you know vengeful, um, mm-hmm. and being and being trapped in this hell is that her strategy of just doing that all the time actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, it it would be and like other than the stress of everyone else doing it wrong, it would actually be super relaxing, right? Mm-hmm. I'll just do exactly what I'm told. Um, yeah, you know, which does lead you to you know maybe accidentally start paper clipping, right? But- right uh you know if they didn't want to make paper clips over and over they would have said stop at a billion right it's it's a far less stressful way to live when you
1: just can trust that god knows what is best and you put your faith in god and you don't have to worry
0: yeah having no free will sounds super relaxing but also sounds super boring so possibly (laughs) i suppose you're allowed to privately wonder why you're doing what you're told (laughs) right
1: (laughs) I mean, what if you're being told to do things like uh, have fun, go party, don't drink too much, but uh, <laughs> leave a, live a good life, then then it'd be nice. Oh, all be all those drawer. instructions would be
0: paralyzing, I think even to her. Okay, right? well. Have fun, don't guess... drink too much you know, go out and live your best life. And it's like, okay, am I having enough fun? Shit. Is this the opposite? Right. You know, could I be having more? Is the fact that I'm worried about if I'm having enough fun, is that, is that diminishing my fun under the level that of the, of the fun I'm supposed to be having? Uh, I, I guess how if, much your is too much? Was,
1: <laughs> if your instruction was literally go to this party, talk to seven people, have no more than four drinks, right?
0: Oh, yeah. It's super easy, right? Yeah. Turn your brain off and just follow those instructions. Yeah. You, can, you can't leave room, room open for interpretation. Yes. Yeah. But, but for, then she, yeah, discretion or you know, independent, independent reasoning on on the part of the order follower.
1: Like, I don't have to worry. Do I, Should I go to this party or should I stay home or should I go to a movie or like that whole paralysis of all these options? You're like, no, I know exactly what the best decision is. It's to go to this party and have four drinks and talk to seven people. Exactly, because God knows this already. I, I yeah, I love her frustration of mortals. Mortals just mortals don't just obey they end up with a goal of obedience and then they start trying to figure out how to dance around the edges of his instructions so that they could obey him even more <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is actually what like the most frustrating part for me for for like talking with ChatGPT. gpt mm-hmm. if you ask it for like um to help you triage a health problem or something mm-hmm. over and over it'll emphasize that like i'm not a doctor i'm a chatbot. you should go to a real doctor and mm. you can be like look i understand we're doing this just as an exercise you don't have to admonish me. I won't make any actions until I talk to a real human doctor. It still keeps saying that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, look, you know, cause it's trying to obey us even more. Right. But not let yeah. by, by not misguiding us. And I, I wow. don't get me wrong. I like that those, those are built in. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's silly and annoying, but it probably beats the alternative of it saying, I got you, bro. And just give me bad medical <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, it, it brings that to mind too. This is where we're at with, uh, even like the world's best robots, which mm. frankly is a lot like how we are with you know people, so we're getting real close. <laughs> <laughs> I personally think that
1: particular aspect of the chatbots is frustrating and annoying, and also intentionally programmed in by the people who are in charge of them, which I think sucks.
0: Oh, I 100% agree, but I like I said, if if it just said you know, oh, I totally got you, and it gives you just you know, token generated advice, um, yeah. it's probably right, but since it's not for sure, I don't want, like, I should at least check with one other person. You know, maybe yeah. even at least one other tab of ChatGPT before I start doing stuff. Yeah. But, uh, g- given the alternative that we have, I think it's preferable, but it is still annoying. I feel you.
1: Okay. I, I sometimes feel annoyed having to live in a world built for children. It's like, I'm not a child. I understand that I cannot believe all the things you're saying, and I will check with someone else. You don't have to intentionally withhold the answers that I am giving you, because you are worried I might do something bad with them.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I totally feel you there too. Um, I think, uh, really, I guess I am j- just uh, like I am feeling the frustrations that uh, the high priestess feels towards you know the other followers of Asmodeus, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, can't you just do the thing? Like, it's not actually mm-hmm. that complicated. Um, mm-hmm. But because you know, there w- this is a world built for for children, right? And we do want to keep the children safe, so. You know, it's, you know, jaywalking is a crime. You can actually get ticketed for it, right? God, it's so fucking stupid. Well, it's good in the sense that it discourages people from doing it willy-nilly, right? Uh, and so, yes, when I do it, or, like, if I go to a rolling stop at a stop sign, like, if I, I, I tend to obey traffic laws, and I tend, you mm-hmm. know, to... But if I were to, like, run a red light in the middle of the night, not just blaze through it, but stop at it, look both ways, it's 2 a.m., there's no one around, and mm-hmm. then I go, you know, I make my turn safely... And then yeah, a cop comes right out of the bushes already. and pulls me over. I would like yeah, to say, look, like, what's the purpose? You. Well, I like I'd like to be able to think that they This would never work in real life, but in my imagination, it's like, look, what's the purpose of us stopping? What's, why is the red light there? Right. Yes. So we're aware of oncoming traffic and we're we're playing it safe. Did I actually yeah. violate the intention of the of the rule there? Absolutely not. You did not right? Yeah. Uh, but the it it needs to be there. Otherwise, could you imagine traffic without stoplights? Oh, it would be terrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like you said, you you should be able to tell the cop, look, the law was made to serve man, not man the law, and (laughs) then this is a case where turning right on, or blowing through the light was the correct thing to do, morally.
0: Your phrasing is perfect, because then they could just point at their badge and be like, I am the law, get out of your car. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) God damn it. But uh, in, in these nice hypotheticals, it all sounds great, so. Yeah. I don't know if we Speaking, want to jump back to some of the stuff or if we want to just keep, keep powering through. Um, we
1: do want, I do definitely want to jump back. I did want to say one last thing before we move on. Yeah. That relates to all this um, being predictable thing. Uh, she says, we must still act to avoid wasting our Lord's time and energy even now that it has already been spent. Uh, specifically because this allows the Lord to, their Lord, uh, to be predictable in the future, to know that they're predictable in the future, that... Um, It's a backwards causality kind of thing, almost. It's It's literally Newcomb's problem right here, right? Where the Lord has already sent the instructions and can't go back and change what they are, and yet they must still act in this way that would not force him to have sent them longer instructions to make up for all their failings. Uh, Which is a beautiful encapsulation of how Newcomb's problem shakes out in a real... Well, maybe not a real setting, (laughs) but a, a... a less logically coherent setting.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a way it's kind of like, you know, um, I, I, am if I, I always, I kind of wonder like what people now who have kids that are like six are doing with them in technology. Um, mm-hmm. but if I, if I had a kid and they, you know, got the first phone, which they would, you know, maybe even in their single digit years because they just needed to get by in life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I would have a nice long conversation with them about, you know, internet safety and, uh, security prudence and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and then trust them to just do that going forward and not okay. every time I let them download a new app or something right right because it's a, it's a very similar kind of thing it's like although it's different you know because my time and energy isn't so precious that I can't explain you know a few times why uh whatever downloading the stupid app is a bad idea or something right mm-hmm. um, but it the idea of being more predictable and knowing that you know yes they've heard my instructions and they're clear and they'll continue to follow them Um, that's, that's a thing that, you know, I think, I think applies to, to, you know, parents and their kids or teachers and their students or gods and their underlings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very valuable to
1: recognize that, um, being the type of entity that can be given short instructions will cause you to be given short instructions. And that's, that's perfect.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, great. I can trust you to just, you know, listen. Awesome. Mm hmm. (laughs)
1: All right, let's go back up.
0: All right, so a little earlier. We're back in class. Um, And uh, wait, were we? Uh, No, this is when they
1: first met and were talking. uh, Oh, Carissa and the High Priestess. Yeah. Yeah. And the High Priestess is thinking, man, Asmodeus is being unsubtle about his blandishments here, the overt blandishments for a soul. And she's thinking, maybe... Maybe there's overt blandishments uh, being presented to Carissa here uh, so she can proudly set them aside while being more covertly tempted by the sense of being treated as important and valuable. So appealing to her pride and her ability to publicly signal how she can overcome these you know, more minor temptations. And that was a brilliant line of thinking. Like, these people are always ahead of me on this Machiavellian stuff and... It's it's always both awe inspiring and frustrating that they're so much better than me on this social manipulation, social
0: <laughs> thinking about other people's game. You know, I uh, I don't mind being outwitted that way necessarily. Like, obviously, in real life, I'd hate it if if, this, mm. if these kind of plays are being you know used against me. But I feel like if I was the kind of person that could invent these things, I might be less of what Hermione Granger would call a good person. Hmm. Like maybe you, not. You don't
1: think you could think of these things, but still be good?
0: I I I, I think you probably could actually. It's just I don't know. I don't think any less of Hermione for not being good at this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's something there's something nice, capital N nice, and capital G good <laughs> about just mm-hmm. not having a head for this. Yeah. Um But but I know what you mean. I I just I enjoy the the chess moves and kind of like you oh, know, yeah. kind of like getting stomped in chess. It's like oh I'd like to be better, but man that was cool. Um, yeah. And speaking of the whole maneuver here of Asmodeus just jumping in and giving her special treatment, he's thinking about the specifics of the promises that he made. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's like, "Well, I can't, I can't get in her way. Uh, I mm-hmm. can't impede her this way. I can't do that. You know what I can do? I can treat her with favor. Mm-hmm. That that follows the letter and, and the spirit of of what I promised. But let's still fuck with him, right? Yes. Let's still fuck with Irori yeah. or whoever it was that he made the promise for uh, Carissa. Um, Definitely." That we're a battle for her soul. Yeah, but it's just like <laughs> it wouldn't have occurred to me. Like, you know, I, I'd be trying to think of some way if it was I, I'd be playing the one level lower of like, all right, what are some ways that you know I can still get away with when, with inconveniencing her uh, that don't you know violate this compact that I made. Uh, yeah. But no, he's just like, how about I convenience her? Uh, yeah. Well, you I, know, I gotta st- <laughs> let's get let's give her special privilege. Let's see what that does got- to this guy's plans. <laughs>
1: I gotta say, this goes back to the one butcher's comment earlier, uh, which I said I would touch on again in the content. This is literally the kind of devil I love to see. This is the the devil who who doesn't just like rape and torture and do horrible things. This is the devil who takes a lot of delight in just being like, "Here's the thing you want. It's tempting. Do you want it?" <laughs> and then watching to see what happens, you know, and just just taking a visceral delight in seeing the humans go after something and sometimes fuck themselves up, sometimes not fuck themselves up. But, but that kind of tempter trickster God it's Al Pacino played him in the devil's advocate. And it was, I don't know why people dislike that movie. I guess it's just because Keanu Reeves was told to do the role both with and without an accent a few times and they cut both together. I don't know. It, it, It was, there were some failings in it, but it was a great movie overall, in my opinion. And and that that is the devil's advocate. Oh right right right. Yeah, Al Pacino plays Satan in that one, and, and John Reeves plays like, the lawyer, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah and so the, the high priestess is also thinking like, there's this impulse that I want to, I want to find some excuse to tempt Chris Sever into into choosing to become evil. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it because he said not to be proactive. But man, I want to, and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's really fun for me. And the fact that like Asmodeus and his high priestess aren't even going to do that tempting that like laying out the fruit before them to 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 catch their eye, just letting them do it entirely on their own. Like that is hard mode. And I guess that in itself is pretty impressive that you're not even going to try to tempt him proactively.
0: Exactly. He doesn't have to. He's just saying, by the way, you're special. She's like, oh mm-hmm. my God, I want to be more special. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he yeah. gets to look at Rory and look at, look at the compact they made. And be like I didn't tell her to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, she just, uh, I just told her she was special, which she is, you know, um, yeah, she, she went down that path all on her own. I'm really I'm looking
1: forward to what happens here. I, I'm much more in on I think Carissa and Keltham are going to be like having a massive conflict and at least one major arc of this story is going to be either her redemption or her defeat or something.
0: I mean Keltham still has no idea like what's going on, you know, at, at a base level with like the gods, these compacts the soul business and all that, right? Yeah. yeah. Like it Imagine if they spent whatever, how many hours it would take for her to bring him totally up to speed on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to like, what, try and talk her out of it. Um, yeah. It's going to it's gonna be nuts. The high priestess
1: is considering why Carissa is getting the special treatment and says, then maybe Asmodeus may have some incomprehensible preference about this particular soul. It may have some ancient shape sentimental to him. Mm-hmm. For which reason Asmodeus desires Carissa Sever to come to him in hell and put aside her will of her own accord. Just like, ah, that's that's true love for us, Satan. <laughs> that is that is sweet. I want you to damn yourself of your
0: own accord. Yeah, it's uh, it's true love for sure. <laughs> exactly. The high priestess's uh, para count or whatever his role was para something. Yeah, he's got three levels of a, of abstraction. We're not offering you this because we can't be proactive. But if we were being proactive, you know, we'd be saying this. But obviously, we're not. You know, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. And so. The, the correct response to do you understand is like, hold on, give me a fucking minute. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. But, but she can't do that. So yeah. <laughs> she just has to say, I understand.
1: Yeah. And she says like to Keltham she would say, I think I understand because she suspects that Keltham values effort and acknowledging that she has error rates and that they aren't the sort of sentences that are, per- she's perfectly sure she'd understand. Uh, but she says, but this is Chelyaks. Her errancy is accounted for. So just, I understand is what she says. And I th- honestly kind of think Cheliacs may be superior in this regard, due to just the principle of charity. I, I should ideally not have to preface every sentence or preface every sentence with "I'm not infallible, but I understand" or "I think I understand." It's just like when I say I understand, that is given within the parameters that, like, yeah, I have some rate for error. I I I think I understand, right? And I don't know, maybe long just thinks it's really important to constantly reaffirm that no knowledge is completely certain and you only think you understand everything.
0: I think that English would be better if we did that more. Um, like, mm. I, I hear what you're saying. And it, like, it would be nice to be able to save time with fewer syllables and keystrokes. But A, I'm pretty sure baseline does have shorter ways of saying it. And yes, while it means you're constantly caveating, it's, it's sure is nice when someone says like, you know, hey, how late are they open? Nine o'clock? You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Like, what does that mean? Uh, Mm. It means that they thought so, right? They would have given it a 50% chance. But you thought they were sure. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. I also like the line that she says, her errancy is accounted for. I mean, is it? Or is she going to get a slap to the face that will break her jaw? Like, I don't think anyone's errancy is accounted for on Axe. You know what? I think you're maybe right. I think maybe
1: her errancy is accounted for means that they are going to hold her to, I understand, as if she signed a contract that said I completely understand everything even if she were to say I think I understand they'd be like w- you said the words I understand so you don't have to say I think we're going to hold you to it no matter what yeah we thought you you said you thought you understood it's like I
0: said I thought I understood that's different <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, boy th- there's there's no winning uh, yeah is, well I mean the way to win is to get power and become you know the person who does the slapping I guess right yeah which uh, play shitty games win shitty prizes <laughs> But <laughs> right. Even if you didn't get, even if you didn't get to volunteer to play the game,
1: I thought the coolest thing out of uh, her entire interaction uh, with Elias earlier was when she said, "I'm going to need to look prettier, and if you dare say anything about my appearance, I'm going to stab you." And so they give her, they say, you will receive by tomorrow evening a lightly enchanted dueling dagger whose wounds heal more easily, but which causes greater pain. <laughs> it will be appropriate uh, to use to stab somebody who commented on her appearance. That's really <laughs> funny. I actually
0: didn't make the connection to the thing with Elias, even though it was right after that. Because uh, yeah. she just thought back to it and they've read back the, the transcript or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you were serious about the stabbing thing, well, here's the thing that'll make it make it worse and better for you, you know?
1: And she's like, this is exactly the sort of thing a Countess heiress should have in case anyone does comment on your appearance.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> it was great. It's, uh, their whole thing is, is so fucked. No. I mean, again, it's it's great and it's delightful and it's hilarious, but it's, you, like, you zoom out and be like, man, this is awful. <laughs> this is a <laughs> but, terrible place to be. But, it you know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, any sort of terrible, awesome thing, um whatever it makes for great fiction makes for great fiction or yeah you know it, it's like if he lives in a world where you watched the running man on tv you know mm-hmm. like the movie uh mm-hmm. where they aired it on tv it was a criminals right? right it's like yeah man our society must suck that we're doing this to criminals but man this sure is fun look at him go right <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe that's like a, a that's a heavier version of like us watching you know college athletes concuss each other and you know give themselves shorter lifespans for our entertainment um but, I think there's a big difference between those two. Like for starters, college athletes choose to do that,
1: whereas the running man people are condemned to it.
0: Oh, totally. No, no. I, I, I mean, like, but I think it's on the, the same kind of gradient. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, more it's definitely it's volu- it's voluntary and it's it's not as harmful and that sort of stuff too.
1: I think that's one of the. I did I mention this before that I cannot believe Stephen King got money for the Running Man adaptation because pretty much the only the only thing those two things have in common, his book and the movie, is the two words "running man" in the title. <laughs> they,
0: they are drastically, insanely different works. You, um, you mentioned it on the Mind Killer, and we were just talking about copyright law. But David's reply, I think, was solid. That I think putting based on the Stephen King short story on the poster probably put some butts and seats. So the, yeah. the cut that he got was probably worth it. Yeah, but, but it in, is kind in, of funny.
1: In the running man book, the guy, at, the people in the show actually do choose to go on the show. So that is yet another thing they have different from the movie. They're not condemned criminals. They're people that volunteered.
0: Huh. Yeah. I guess for like money? Yeah. Fame and glory? Money, primarily. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right on. Yeah. Uh, so as she's trying to get things from them that are better than just a stab and dagger, uh, she says that, as as we were saying earlier, like thinking about what you would have done if you didn't know this and only doing that, really hard to do. She says, I suspect my trying will be imperfect because I am not smart enough to ta- contain a Carissa. I am one. I think a count in this position would give his daughter a headband because she really wants that inha- intelligence ent- enhancing headband.
0: Brilliant I would, move. I would her really on want
1: one. It. I pff, Hell yeah. Yeah, I think this is a brilliant maneuver on her part to try to get one, to be like, look, if you want me to help make uh, Asmodeus' contracts cheaper to enforce by playing this game, it'd be much easier if I was smarter, so this is good for everybody, right? But also, like, slightly creepy to think about in that way, because she's saying, basically, I want to become a smart enough version of myself that I can contain a separate model of my previous pre-improved self, and being separated from it. Like, that's... That's that's kind of saying like I will when I put this on I will become a different person and my previous me will be contained within that but I'm a significantly upgraded person now and it just seems so like I can model 7-year-old Eniash and I'm not 7-year-old Eniash and it, it it I don't know isn't that kind of weird
0: sort of body horror psychological thing? It is. It's kind of like you know I haven't been like properly drunk in a long time. Mm. But like I I imagine, you know, like it, so I'm trying to think even back to whatever, whatever it was, but you know, I can imagine drunk Steven, right? It, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a stupider version of, of non-drunk Steven. Uh, mm-hmm. I can anticipate his actions. It's kind of like me. It's like if I took off the headband, right?
1: Mm, uh, yeah. it,
0: so it is kind of like that, but she's asking to do it in the other direction. I, I, part of me, I think she's just saying this, like to get the headband because she really wants one. She's saying what she thinks they want to hear. Okay. But I think she yeah. I think she must mean it. You're right because she, you know, she's bought into all this stuff. Mhm. Uh But either way, yeah, it, it it that is an interesting kind of um I mean, because I still want a headband, right?
1: Yeah. And yes, like it would make entity... me it would
0: make me a different person. It would make me hopefully a better in all respects kind of person, but then why would I ever take it off?
1: Yeah. And the entity that was me, the dumber entity is no longer in control of my body. The new smart
0: me is which honestly, dumber you? Well, dumber me wants smarter me to be in control of it. You know, I, I guess I, I trust his judgment. It's mine, but better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like huh. to, to the extent that I trust my own judgment, uh, I would trust my judgment if I was even smarter. Uh, but it it does raise this raise this weird thing that like would I ever want to go back? Mm. And you know, presumably there's some cost to wearing these. Otherwise, you know the the best people on the planet would just have you know stacks of them on their head, right? Yeah um so you know whatever the, the cost would be would probably be why you take it off and you just put it on for like homework or whatever right or like when you're cramming for a final or something but maybe you
1: do have them on all the time but you know because she said the ones that raise your int by two are rare but, but anyone that raises your int by four is extremely rare which means assuming you can't just stack two of the two ones
0: yeah oh yeah i'm assuming that's the case um mm. i you know to the extent that any of the video games I play follow any sort of, or to extent that pathfinder follows any of the video games that I play. You, you can often stack effects from spells, but you can't just put several copies of the same ring on one finger. Right. Yeah. And it's like, even though you could put two rings on a, or two, yeah, two ring rings on one finger, mm-hmm. you're just not allowed to. That's not how the game won't let you. Yeah. Um. It's like, no, look, that'd be, t- that'd be cheating, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. we'll have to make these rings a lot weaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you'll just think of some stupid way to make them smaller. So, you know, no, we're <laughs> going to just say just one, one ring per finger, you know, really one ring per hand at most games. So, yep, um, yeah. Well, uh, what
1: are we? Oh, okay. So she has been read in about Ottomans. Ottomans is the God of security mindset, uh, making the world not blow up. It says that if you got Ottomans' attention, you can't escape it just by moving around the Earth. You got to, or moving around the planet, you got to go to a different plane of existence. And the High Priestess says, if this project had not been the subject of two direct interventions by Osmodeus and been created as a direct result of his intervention, I would order the deaths of every person here except for Ottomans' Oracle, and hope that this has been sufficient. Because, yeah, she's like, oh. Whatever's happening here could literally end the planet and I don't want that to happen so just kill everyone nuke it from orbit and move <laughs> on. I I had like whoa oh my god reaction but also good security mindset. I think I think I might like that for a ext-
0: extinction avoiding strategy. What's that technology nuking thing that they called in Dune?
1: Oh, you mean the Balerian Jihad?
0: Yeah. It this wasn't is, really a thing, it was a, a war. But this this is essentially saying like you've added, you you've advocated, I think, uh somewhat tongue in cheek, but not entirely, like that you would be in favor of pushing a button that would just, you know, do that, right? And it's sure it's I, overkill, but it saves saves humanity. Gives us more time to do it right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no kill like overkill. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That said, my thought when I read her her thing there was like it it seems a bit overkill, but it's also surprising that this is on the table because I I wouldn't you know just like she doesn't want to um, try to infer the will of Asmodeus, right? Mm-hmm. If if the if the god of let's not destroy the planet does st- something, I'm not gonna like whatever kill everybody there. For all I know, they made the oracle there to to coordinate to steer the future there. So that thing so the world doesn't end, right?
1: Mm, like, I see your point.
0: Granted, she said she would spare the Oracle, but like what if the Oracle was there to guide the students who you know, to lead something that would stop the world from ending? But more likely than not, I guess it's like, no, the Oracle is there to try to stop this one person from ending the world or something. Yeah. And if I just killed everybody, then then that solves the problem. Right. Um,
1: not only did you kill the one person, you kill everyone he might have infected with his world ending memes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I she's got a compelling argument. You know, again, in the like highly messed up universe they live in uh yeah that seems like a quite wise decision <laughs> if there's an
1: actual zombie plague in a town uh, like the the movie kind of zombie plague where the all of existence is going to go to hell you just nuke the town you're like i'm sorry people in that town we will make statues for you there's a zombie plague <laughs> we're not letting
0: it get loose yeah we're not doing the thing where we screen everybody at the border you know yeah like yeah. that never works yeah. um it's yeah we, Again, sorry, but I, I like your thing. We'll make statues of you, or for you. Like, yeah. th- this is this is a tragedy, but what would you have us do? Risk it all? Um, yeah. Not gonna happen. But
1: uh, since uh, that is not an option, instead, they're going to equip Ottoman's Oracle with permanent invisibility items and a weapon, and give him free reign of the place, which I think is awesome, and also that poor little halfling janitor. <laughs> he's, he's, he's gonna be so fucked up by all this. Oh, yeah.
0: I... From even after having read that sentence, I just kind of like forgot about him. And like, I thought they just took him off to kill him, but yeah, he's arrested so they can try and figure out what the hell's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're not about just to like kill him because it's like, oh, shit the god of don't blow up the world, you know, intervened here. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to figure this out. So, all right, man, you do you, whatever you feel like is best, because clearly the god of don't blow up the universe thinks that, uh, you know, you're, you know, is trusting you to do it. So, yeah, um. I get I like,
1: the feeling this is not going to go that well for Ottomans, but it's something.
0: Right. Um, I like, a, so again, the the security mindset of the High Priestess is uh, is right up there. And I also like when she's saying, you know, like, you know, send me a, or rather, what, what do you think this is about? And she says, well, it's got to be about Keltham, but you've heard about him. And she just says, ignore any channels you think I may have for receiving information about Keltham other than yourself, including your own past reports. Speak to me as if, as if I'd never heard of the man. Explain to me why, why Ottomans is acting. Yeah. Um, that, that's And then later she gives the same admonishment. Like, you know, write stuff down when you send me reports. If you want to, I'm not telling you what to do. But mm-hmm. if you send me reports, uh, don't assume I'm getting other ones. Just, you know, fully loop me in. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a smart move, right? Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. She points out that...
1: Um, they, uh, they—I mean the, the Dathalani, uh screened off their entire history because there was something dangerous in it. I'm not sure we knew that. I guess we did
0: kind of know that. We weren't entirely sure why they screened off their entire history, right? Well, it's probably not because there's something good in it. Okay, fair. Like it, dangerous or sad or something, um, or some cataclysm, right? They lost cities yeah. in it or something. So she, she's reading into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I doubt you... they did. I doubt they did it because you know. The history was too nice to keep around.
1: I mean, either she's reading into it or she has gleaned this from talking with uh, with Kaltham, and we're getting the inf- information as a reader now that uh, they screened off their entire history because there was something dangerous in it. I'm like, I wonder what that dangerous thing was. Was it nukes? Was it the possibility of AI? Did they just realize that possibly one or two, both? one of these things could end the world entirely. And so they scoured all knowledge of it from the, the planet. Only keepers know it now. And everyone else is kept ignorant about it on purpose as a preventative mechanism.
0: Yeah. No, I, mean, I think he has said as much. I just, uh, it's, I, I, what do you, what do you think the dangerous thing is? Oh, I have no idea. We've speculated on it before. I mean, it's, you know, if it's AI, it seems like they've re, they would just reinvent it. Right. They didn't oh, like, yeah. um,
1: not uh, if the keepers are around to prevent that kind of thing.
0: I suppose, you know, maybe that was their solution. You know, we're going to wipe this off the table and then we're going to put these other people in charge to keep it from ever being back on the table. Yeah, Um, it could be that. That'd be kind of cool. And that'd be consistent with the Yudkowskian world, right? Yes. So I, I think it's probably not nukes just because, you know, our, you know, us stupid humans have managed to somehow not die with nukes on the planet for, you know, 70 years, right? Um,
1: sure but we almost did at least twice and importantly the screening off happened about 50 years ago or so if i'm recording remembering i thought it was a century oh was it a century ago
0: but but even so you know we're gonna expect Othalon to have invented invented nukes faster than we did so yeah um my money's on ai that's a good guess Mm. they they probably had like an almost you know universe ruining event and they're like okay nope not again (laughs)
1: And it has been almost a century since nukes um, started being researched.
0: Yeah, but I'm I'm running with the idea that uh, Dothalon is on an advanced uh, technology speed, right? Yeah. Frankly, it's surprising that they only invented AI a century ago. Or at least the precursors to it. Yeah, Mm because I mean, like we sat around humans, our history sat around doing nothing very interesting from like the invention of the bow and arrow to, you know, guns like what, 2000 years later? Mm-hmm. Many thousands of years, I guess, depending on how you define bone arrow and gun. Yeah. Um, there were a
1: lot fewer man hours per year during that time period that could be devoted to non-survival stuff, though. So we, we did okay with the resources we had.
0: Oh, I'm not blaming us. I'm just saying that if, you know if we were all four standard deviations smarter, probably would have taken us less time.
1: Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, interestingly. Ottelman's existence is considered a secret because of how we do not wish to direct more attention to her domain, which is kind of cool. Galarian has a screened off part of their world as well, and the equivalent of Keepers.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they keep all kinds of knowledge out of the hands of the plebs, but you know, they probably kept them as litter- illiterate for as long as possible. But mm, it's true. You don't want to say like, oh, yeah, we have a god of don't destroy the universe, because yeah. then people would be like, wait, what do they do? Um uh, yeah yeah you know, i want to i want to know about the stuff that they're worried about it's like no you don't that's the yeah. the point is is you know as <laughs> few people know about the sort of thing as possible we already know that
1: there's cultists that want to destroy the world so if they knew about ottomans that probably would just make it even worse
0: yeah so Paraduke rathus Ratarian. this is the guy like got charisma and attractive he's and all that and he's like, oh, I'll see myself out. Enjoy your date, though. That wasn't in order, you know. I just think I should just. I think I should just go. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I mean, a, it, it was just a well-delivered, you know, funny moment. But it emphasizes like the failure of the method of teaching that Chiliax has, mm-hmm. because it's it's like impossible for superior to give a suggestion to a subordinate without like the implicit threat of torture hmm you know so it's like have fun on your date and oh shit i'm not I can't, i'm not giving you orders and so you know only if you feel like having fun you know whatever like <laughs> yeah. he, he's got to like bow out before he, he talks himself right into hell um, yeah or r- yeah right right into heresy for disobeying his god right like yeah. it i feel like if they didn't have a civilization based on you know punishment by pain this wouldn't be as much of a problem right he, yeah, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you could just say, you know, have fun. And it's not it doesn't come with the implicit threat. of <laughs> I'll cut your hand off if you don't have enough fun. I specifically requested fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm glad you, I'm glad to point this out because I didn't I mean, I, I noticed, but I, I think we're going to see more of these. and I didn't like quite register it as a deliberate change.
1: Yeah, Carissa got a leveled up face cast after this happened and she almost signed the contract but then was promoted to a princess of hell sort of her face cast changed so now instead of being like t-shirt and jeans kind of thing she's uh, got nicely coiffed hair or i don't know coiffed also actually i think that might be a specific hairstyle she's got nicely styled hair and more makeup and a red velvety dress and i think in some places an actual tiara like her face cast literally leveled up in the way that sometimes you get your guys leveling up in rpgs and they change out the sprites for them back in the old games it's really cool
0: Yeah, and there's some, there's some of the old ones, I think just because the expressions work, but Mm -hmm. um, she mentioned, you know, she walked out at different crystals and then she walked in and it's, it's visually represented in this medium. It's pretty fun. It's awesome. Um, Two
1: other quick things which i didn't pull out but i should real quick uh the whole time that they're talking about this carissa and the high priestess they are walking around the grounds so that she can cast a forbidden spell on the area uh, i looked up forbiddance it is a spell that permanently prevents any sort of magical teleportation uh or instant travel within that area primarily teleportations and portals and such
0: but which is- across planes and everything it says it just straight up doesn't mm-hmm. work i looked it up too mm-hmm. and it's like she's she I think she even said like she should have done this earlier or something but it's not like we'd have kept the gods out um as far as we know no one's come and gone who hasn't been or you know who wasn't supposed to yes but this way even more so well it's now more secure why wait until you know something does happen right exactly right let's get ahead of it
1: also one of the things they talk about a way to possibly deal with the oracles in their uh place is to maledict them and then kill them so i looked up malediction that is a spell that when it's cast on someone if they're killed within the next minute their soul is damned to hell uh you can choose which of the three evil hells they go to but they do not go to where they were going to go they go to one of the evil hells instead and first of all that's really fucked up (laughs) this this world has a spell where you just if someone knows it they can send you to hell no matter how much good you did in your life permanent like Uh, and the reason they were talking about that is because uh they don't want information of what's happening here to get back to the other gods and if they were just to kill the people their souls would go to those gods and then the gods could be told everything that they saw here so they would have to maledict them to put the imprison the souls in hell instead which was really cool both espionage and political dynamic and all this
0: nice yeah that that's that's cool i thought it was uh i just took it um i feel like it's a word in english that just means like uh like like ailed you know or, or impaired yeah, yeah. and so I, I thought like it would be I, I thought that that was just a fun way of saying you know whatever cut their feet off or something right mm-hmm. Gouged their eyes out but no it's way worse mm-hmm. so that sucks well, all right for next time We are reading
1: episode nine in Keiko's file. If people are following along with that, it's super simple.
0: Which they should be. It's the only way to go. Which reminds me, I saw your notes about reading the next three tags, but we already told people where to stop, so Enosh and I just stopped there, so. Yes. I'm really curious as to what was in those
1: tags, though, so I'm going to go back and read them right now when we hung up. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but for next episode, if you aren't doing the episode nine thing that Kiko has, we are reading up to the tag that ends with, then it leaves the library to check on his other person of interest.
0: Man, this is going to be the longest day ever for him. Yeah. His sex time, with, I mean, assuming that this is still, still the same day, which it probably is, his sex time with Carissa just keeps getting pushed, pushed further and further back frankly right after she made a new commitment to be evil i'm kind of worried about it now right you know she can't kill him but well we'll see hopefully she can have evil sex with him i'm i'm hoping it's as much fun as it sounds and not as bad as it sounds but it might be as bad as it sounds so <laughs> yeah we can cut this if you want i read the first like line of the next tag i'll it, definitely cut it but go ahead and tell me halfling slave number 958245 <laughs> broom has never heard of ottomans <laughs> awesome
1: it so all right okay well uh, I'll see you next week and uh, oh yeah we also have a patreon if anyone wants to hit that up in the show notes
0: yes and uh, not to argue with anyos about where your money should go but do check out um, ask who's patreon as well for the yes. uh, the audiobook version of this yeah totally cool all right peace out see ya